At photographycourse.net, you'll be able to swap your expertise with other photographers, make light instead of wishing for it, expand your portfolio, and receive feedback from professionals, all of which will develop your artistic eye. Photographycourse.net offers an abundance of premium courses and challenges for participants at every stage of their journey, from technical settings for portrait photography, to landscape composition tricks, to how to start your own photography business, we have everything you need to start shooting confidently. You can work at a pace that suits you. Our 52-week project challenge will provide you with the educational resources, encouragement, and support that you need to take great photographs every week. You can join us at any time as our themes are evergreen. You can also start by shooting every day and learning something new with our 365 Days of Photography course. Led by an industry expert who has mentored over 10,000 students, this course will help you take your photography skills to the next level with daily, bite-sized videos. Throughout the process of learning, you'll have access to a community that will provide you with inspiration and motivation. Get encouragement from other photographers every single day. Our current limited time offer comes with a special discount code exclusive to the listeners of this podcast. Get 50% off your first year as a premium member. Claim this discount by going to photographycourse.net and entering the coupon code PODCAST. Come join photographycourse.net and capture more than just a moment. Hello everyone, my name is Taya and I'm the host of Great Big Photography World Podcast, where we interview notable photographers in the industry, give advice on a wide variety of topics, and provide tips for beginners and professionals alike. In this episode, I talked to Maz Peter Iverson, who was a landscape photographer with a very impressive and vibrant portfolio. He has a background in philosophy, astrophysics, and teaching, and is very successful on platforms like YouTube and Instagram. He and I talk about his adventures in the rugged landscapes of Iceland, the importance of marketing, and much more. Please enjoy. Hey, Mess. Welcome to the podcast. I'm thrilled to have you here. Please introduce yourself to the listeners. Hello, Taya. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm Mess Peter Iverson, Danish landscape photographer. I have a YouTube channel, an Instagram channel, and yeah, I like to travel around in like the Nordic raw uh, landscapes. So Iceland, the Faroe Islands, Norway, of course, also Denmark, Britain. I like Europe. Uh, I've been like 40 days to the US also. So uh, generally, like I, I, I pursue the big epic vista landscapes. That's what attracts me the most. But also, you know, like the more uh, atmospheric forest photography is also something I'm very passionate about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have a very impressive portfolio. And I really look forward to finding out more about your story and what drew you to this specific genre. So Thank very you very much. What camera equipment do you use? So right now I'm using a Sony A7R 3 and then I have a, a good amount of lenses for that by now, but mainly either a 12-24 to 24, uh, F4 as the wide angle or my 16-35 to 35 F2.8 as the wide angle. And then I have a 24-205mm to and then I have either a 70-200mm to 200mm or 100-400mm. to 400mm. So that's like my general landscape photography kit uh, but I usually only use like three of those lenses and I've actually also just got the Tamron 28 to 200 millimeter that's a good combination with the 16 to 35 because I only need two lenses then I have a 
okay lineup of uh, more astro night photography dedicated lenses where my newest lens and probably the one I'm going to use the most from now on is the 20mm f1.8 from Sony. Mm-hmm. And do you mm-hmm. feel that you're really tech-savvy when it comes to camera equipment, or are you more intuitive when it comes to that? Um, more intuitive, I think. Uh, I don't really care too much about the technical parts of photography, like what's in the camera. I just want it to work. Uh, that's basically it. Like, can it solve the problem I will face in regard to taking a specific photo? That's my main issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I'm the same. I don't really care about the technical side of yeah. things, but it's uh, <laughs> sometimes important to know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, of course, you the, you can always benefit from knowing the technicals because then you can probably use it more optimal. But okay, I learn it and then that's it. It's not something I'm deeply passionate about in, in any way, shape or form. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's uplifting for some of the listeners because uh, your work is so stunning and it looks like you know a lot of technical things which i'm sure you do but sometimes people might assume that you just are very tech savvy and just focus on the technical side of things when that's not true yeah it was since i'm i would say i'm such a public person due to my youtube channel i sometimes do make statements where i'm like yeah the camera gear and so forth it doesn't really matter of course it matters in in some regards because you do need to have a camera that can pump up the ISO and if you want to photograph the northern lights and get all the details in the northern lights. But generally, I'm really calm around the gear side of things. I really do not get like super duper passionate about, uh, okay, I'm using a Tamron 28 to 200 millimeter lens. It's a great lens. It's a super zoom lens. And of course, it cannot compete on the image quality level on the sharpness level as some of the sony gm lenses it shouldn't be able to do that because it's so much cheaper than the sony lenses but i prefer that one because it's just so much more practical to use because i only have to carry two lenses out into the field rather than all my big lenses Mm -hmm. and i prefer to have like you know four kilos on my back and not 15 kilos on my back when i climb up a mountain Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a big difference. Yeah. Exercise. Yeah, practicality is very important, especially Mm -hmm. in landscape photography, because as you said, you travel and you can't just carry very heavy stuff around with you all the time. It's something you learn to prioritize when you've been up and down to a few mountains, that the practicals actually do matter. If you're just in your own country and, and you're just like driving from location to location and you don't have to hike long and, and all those things, then practicalities are, of course, of less importance. But when you do go out and you do travel and you go up and down mountains and hiking, then definitely the practicalities are just so important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's important for any kind of photographer, but especially landscape photographers to remember, yeah. Yeah, exactly. You have an interesting background. You have a background in philosophy, astrophysics, and teaching. Do you yes. Feel, do you feel that these subjects affect the way you take photographs today? Yeah, I would say uh, like due to my education and everything I've learned in in that regard, you know, you you are your past. <laughs> you 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 have uh, all the influence through through your life will will affect how you you do stuff now. But obviously, since I have an interest for astronomy, I really do like to take photos of the night sky, and I do have an interest for philosophy. I'm, it, it might not show 
in my photos per se, but it might show in, in the way I, I think about when I make videos and how I talk about my photography. And yeah, history, I really like history, culture in general. A lot of people will probably notice that my landscape photos, I don't mind including humans or buildings, uh, where some landscape photographers really try to avoid uh, everything human impact. I don't mind that, but that's just as much because I have an interest for the history. I like to take photos of castles and ruins and include them in my photos. So yeah, definitely my my background uh, also as a teacher uh, comes through in my YouTube channel and how I I do all that stuff and the products I make uh, are also based on the teachings I, I've I've had in regard to becoming a teacher. Mm -hmm. Yes, I've noticed that I watched a few of your videos on YouTube and I really got that teacherly. I know that's not a word, but a teacherly feeling from you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So it must have been not easier, but less intimidating to start teaching online as a photographer, right? Since you have that experience. It came rather natural, uh, but it has also something to do with the fact that a lot of the big landscape photographers on YouTube already did that. So me being able to kind of copy that and also making sense of it because of of my education then it really wasn't such a big deal it's all of course always nerve-wracking standing in front of a camera the first time and creating a video and uploading it for other people to see but when you have made like 100 videos you kind of get used to yourself so it's okay <laughs> yeah practice makes perfect yeah yeah you're very skilled at marketing your work on different platforms, which I know a lot of photographers find difficult to achieve. And I can imagine that juggling photography, editing, marketing, and all of that is very challenging. What advice would you give to someone who would like to improve the way they market their photography online? Um, I'm not sure it's, it's an advice more than it is just like trying to come to the realization that there's actually people out there who enjoy your work. Uh, for me, being in Denmark and especially the Nordic countries, we have like the narrative where like don't think too highly of yourself. And I think a lot of people and especially artists can relate a lot to that. Like how can someone enjoy my work? Because it's not very good compared to all the other photographers that I look up to. But at some point, you should probably just realize that if it's not just your mom applauding your work, then you have already started creating a brand for yourself and an image for yourself that other people are actually interested in. And, and they want to learn how you take photos. And coming to that realization it becomes more easy, I would say, that you don't have to think that people just, oh, now he's promoting his products again, yada, yada, yada. It's just that it has just become a natural thing for me. Like I do it through my YouTube videos. I do it through my Instagram. But I also think that over the past years, because social media is fairly new, most people have learned by now that when you are, I don't like the word, but when you are an influencer and a content creator, on YouTube and on Instagram, the only way we can actually sustain ourselves is to create a business around it. And when we have a business, then we are also making ads for our own products. And I learned fairly fast that 
the best way to earn the most uh, and to sustain yourself is to have your own products and not so much through affiliate linking, uh, which other photographers also do. I, I don't really do that and, and sponsorships. Then, of course, there's the entire commercial photography part also. But I personally prefer to just make my own educational material and then sell that. Uh, that worked the best for me, uh, at least so far. And and people have seemed to really enjoy it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can see that people react really well to your work and to your, uh, your marketing as well. And marketing for sure gets a bad rep, especially in the photography community. And in my experience, because people think, as you said, oh, there they go promoting themselves again. That's annoying. But if you do it the right way, and if you approach it from the perspective where you believe that people truly like your work and want mm. to see more of it, then it'll probably get easier for you to deal with that. So yeah, that's very good advice. It's it's also just like when, when, when you think about it, that the people who complain the most about you talking about your products are not those who are going to buy it anyway. Mm -hmm. So they will probably just unfollow or unsubscribe and then that's fine because then you're rid of the negativity uh, and that, that is also just like, it is what it is. Like if, if people don't find value in what it is you do, then they will just go away and spend their time on something else. So yeah, you won't, you know, sell anything to them anyway. Exactly. Yeah, that's a good attitude because sometimes... I mean, I feel like everybody worries about losing followers because it mm -hmm. feels, it's a gut puncher, just deflates your ego, you know? <laughs> yeah, I learned that very fast, that I would rather grow slow and have a lively audience that, that actually interacted with my videos on YouTube than I would just want to, like, you know, explode up and just get, like, a lot of followers very, very fast. I think that was the approach to go for that being said obviously i i do make videos that are designed in a way so that they can re reach a fairly broad audience because that's sadly just how the youtube algorithm works that if you make generic titles like landscape photography vlog 7th of april 2021 nobody in the entire world would click that so <laughs> you 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 have to find that balance and uh, yeah Sometimes you're moving a little bit over in, in what people regard as clickbait and other times you just have an attention craving title and yeah. So it's just part of how it is. And I think by now, like most audience, they, they know that this is just a part of the game that we have to deal with and it is what it is. Yeah, that's true. It's just the social media environment and we have to adjust to it. Mm -hmm. Exactly, yeah. Your editing work is very advanced and is a reflection of what you see rather than what a landscape really is, as you mentioned in one interview that I read. Mm -hmm. Was this always your approach or did you come to realize this later in your photography journey? Yeah, I, I think so. Uh, I would say over the past years, it has actually gone more towards the more realistic approach. But to begin with, before I was a landscape photographer i mainly went in the direction of commercial photography where i photographed a person in the studio and then i photoshopped that person into a background out in nature so in that way it was very stylized and i brought that over into my landscape photography so i did a lot of composites in the beginning changed the sky and edited in the milky way in, in different uh, settings where it's probably not realistic that you can't even capture the Milky Way in in that regard. I do it less and less. And the main reason is that 
for me, it is no longer hard to do. Like it, it just becomes too generic to sit in front of the computer for six hours trying to to match up the sky and the light and the colors. Uh, I, I prefer to just be out in nature uh, by now and 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 getting the one shot and then edit less. So I have some very standard techniques that I I use by now, which uh, gets the job done fairly fast. Mm, yeah, that's very interesting because mm -hmm. we photographers we always transition from one style to the next in a gradual yeah. way. But it's it's interesting to to see your journey in in that way. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's especially in like forest photography. Like I really try to get out on the mornings where it's just like almost perfect conditions, and then I really don't have to do a whole lot other than just like make sure that the contrast is right. And then maybe fill out some holes in the tree canopy or, or something like that. So so in that way, I try to sit less and less in front of the computer because I'm just <laughs> spending so much time there anyway. I understand what you mean. I can't be bothered to edit for over 15 minutes per picture. I just can't be bothered. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, when, when I came back like a morning some, some months ago, I, I had taken so many great photos. And... Luckily, it wasn't a forest environment where I could basically just like edit one photo and then I could just apply the same edit to all the photos. So in that way, even though I made like 15 photos uh, from that morning, the editing phase was actually fairly simple. Mm. Yeah, that's nice. I mean, I feel like editing is important, of course, and it's so much fun. But if you get mm -hmm. out of it, I don't think you should ever feel bad because a lot of photographers feel bad if they don't invest a lot of time in editing but i think in reality it's more about the photography process right for a lot of people so it's as long as you enjoy that then it's all good photographycourse.net is a place where you can find an abundance of photography inspiration in different forms like premium courses articles video tutorials editing resources and much more we have a thriving community where you can meet new people receive constructive criticism and discover new ideas every single day here is a message from one of our top community members, Robert Morton. Hi, my name is Rob. I specialize in wildlife photography and landscape photography. I'm a member of photographycourse.net online community. I like the community because you get some fantastic ideas and some great feedback. So take your photography to the next level by clicking the link in the description. That's what I did and I haven't looked back. If you want to join our online community, go to photographycourse.net and enter the coupon code PODCAST to get 50% of your first year as a premium member. I would definitely say that the entire photography process is everything from like the planning part or at least getting out part, taking the photo in the field, and then I often can envision in what direction I want to take my editing. Uh, I'm still like very much on editing, and when you see the raw photo compared to the final photo, even though I actually haven't uh, done a whole lot of editing to the photo, there's usually a fairly stark difference anyway, because you with some fairly simple editing techniques can change the photo quite a lot. I took a photo of some trees in, in the fog back in January, and I had to use the DH slider quite a lot to really push out the trees from that fog. So it's very, very different photo from the raw photo, but 
the main thing was actually just like pulling one slider and then you're done. So sometimes you you edit. I, I mainly edit to get the photo in a specific way, but also maybe a little bit towards like in the regards to respecting the light. It, it shouldn't look unrealistic, uh, but sometimes you have to edit a lot for it to not look unrealistic. If that makes any sense, <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. That's interesting. Mm. That's quite a dilemma, though. If, if yeah. you come across something like that, wow. Yeah, that I don't buy into that discussion about too little or too much editing. Uh, my goal is just to edit a photo in a way so it's interesting to look at, so it reflects maybe a little bit how I felt on location, but in a way where it doesn't look unrealistic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair. And I think mm-hmm. that's a realistic approach because there's no formula for editing. Everyone's different. Nope. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It depends on how you're feeling and it's a reflection mm-hmm. of how you feel and how you want the image to look. So I think it's a, a good thing for every photographer to know that just because someone does it this way does not mean you need to do it the exact same way. Exactly. I'm 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 so liberal when it comes to photography. People can do exactly as they want, like within the law, of course, but yeah. <laughs> in an interview for Iceland Photo Tours, you said that living an unlived life is your biggest fear. Mm-hmm. Do you have any tips for photographers who want to live their lives to the fullest? Um, maybe, maybe uh, yeah. Like how I approach life for the most part is I, I can't say that I specifically set a goal, but maybe like, you know, I want to live off of landscape photography. Then I figure out how can I live off of landscape photography, and then I try to solve those problems and design my life so that I can do that. Um, it's about identifying the problems before they actually happen and position myself in a way in life where that's possible. Obviously, because I am from Denmark, I am in an extremely privileged situation uh, or position because I don't have any depth out of my education. Um, But on the other hand, like I'm 35, I'm not married. I don't have kids. I don't have a house. I don't have a car. I'm sitting in a small apartment. Um, I've borrowed my parents' car. I've lived home with my parents for two years, which is very uncommon for for Denmark. And and that was where I like built up my entire uh, business. So like, my point is to, okay, money can be an issue. How can I make sure that money is not an issue? Okay, I can live with my parents. That helped a lot, but then the downside downside is like less freedom for myself. And it is not very typical that you go out and say to your friends, hey, I'm 32, I live with my parents. So there's always like a downside, downside to it. And I think it's about like identifying how you can actually solve the issues down the road in in, in the most optimal way uh, for yourself in r- relative to your life situation. So yeah, that was a lot of like obvious things I just stated there. I think. <laughs> no, no, it's important to state that because if you have long term goals and you know how to solve them, or at least you have an idea of how to solve them, then mm-hmm. you will be calmer when you are in the present moment because you'll yeah. know. No, my future isn't like completely in a fog. <laughs> no. <laughs> Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. That's important for photographers to know and just people in general. You are welcome. I showed my mom your photographs and she was amazed for the record. She asked me to ask you this question. 
Of all the landscapes you've photographed so far, which was the most challenging to get to and to photograph? Well, uh, there's a few different ways of of, uh, defining that. Uh, The most costly and and nerve-wracking is probably getting a, a camper van and driving into the Icelandic highlands on my own. Uh, because you have to cross rivers with the car and all that stuff. And I hadn't done that before. Uh, you, you learn fast. But I would say that's the most nerve-wracking in regard to doing something I haven't tried before. And also the most costly, uh, just because the camper van was so expensive. Um, but uh, when in regard to the hardest, that would probably uh, actually also be from Iceland, where I was in Iceland with my sister and we hiked just into a valley, and I completely underestimated how long that hike would be and how long it would take. But that was like a 12-hour round trip. Uh, and when we got all the way to the bottom of the valley where I wanted to take the photo out of that valley, and we were like, okay, we have taken the hard way to get here, then uh, then we can just take the easy way and go down to the valley floor that was like a glacier river and just follow that back to the campground. But the issue was that those glacier rivers, they kind of, um, I had that snake form through the valley so we came down on the wrong side and walked for like a kilometer and then because of all the water it stopped us so we had to go all the way back and then on the other side and then we figured out that it also stopped uh, <laughs> our, our path there so we had to climb up along the mountain it wasn't like you know a, a very steep climb but we were so tired at that time and there was no trail so we had to go through bushes and, and all sorts of stuff. And I was just absolutely destroyed <laughs> uh, from, from from that one. So, so yeah, I, I, I learned a lot about how make sh- to make sure to have enough food and water and, uh, when you go on a hike. Uh, but yeah, that, that must have been the hardest one. Like uh, my body was just destroyed afterwards. <laughs> wow. Were you able to take good photographs though? Yeah, yeah, because I, I, I took them halfway. Uh, the, the hard part was like, was getting back. So so in that way, like I, I did get some good photographs. They weren't as, as good as I take them now. This was all the way back in like 2016. So I've learned a lot since. Um, and it wasn't like, you know, the best weather I got. So was it worth it? Yeah, I got some nice experiences in regard to the photos. It was a bit more like, you know, whatever. <laughs> mm. Yeah, landscape photography, when you think about it, you think about pictures, but there's a whole other world in it where you have to think about survival and practicality yeah. and travel. And it's a very, uh, very rich, a very rich genre, in my, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. You have a YouTube channel, ebooks, courses, and a whole lot of other content. Which of your products are you most proud of creating and why? Probably my Photoshop for landscape photographers post-processing course. Um, it, it's it's just so big and so vast, and it's designed for both beginners and advanced photographers to really learn Photoshop and and breaking that barrier down from editing in Lightroom to also editing Photoshop. A lot of people feel that learning Lightroom is more than sufficient, and they feel a little bit of like, you know, afraid of opening up Photoshop. Uh, so really trying to simplify that in a way so everybody can use it and, and learn it and incorporate it into their photography uh, has been, uh, it, it was really nice. Uh, I, I'm really proud of, of that final 
course, how, how it all came together. And there's so much, so much information in it that you can use to create photos, uh, either how I create them or you can pick and choose whatever works for you. So I'm, I'm really proud of how I, how I designed that. And then I'm also really proud of how my uh, landscape uh, composition ebooks came out because they, it, it has really, I deliberately tried to not add too much text, but add more examples with pictures. So whenever I read a book, like I just get so tired of reading and reading and reading, I would rather watch a video because I'm so, it's, it's visually uh, how, how I learn. So in that way, I was a little bit afraid that people would be like, there's almost no text in this book. But a lot of people really, really enjoy that because it's fairly easy to digest. And yeah, so so I'm very proud of how those turned out too. Mm, yeah, that's amazing. And it's interesting that you have so many different types of products. So it's not just courses. It's not just mm. books. It's a mixture of everything. That must be challenging to create, but also fulfilling. It takes time and, and uh, you need to plan it out, of course, so it makes sense throughout the product that it is designed in the way it's designed. But uh, but once you've figured all that out, it, yeah, it's just a question about time to put it together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. A large percentage of your portfolio features photographs of Iceland, Denmark, and a few other countries with amazing landscapes. Are mm-hmm. there any countries you haven't been to yet that you'd love to photograph one day? Uh, there's a lot of countries <laughs> um, on my bucket list. Right now, of all the con, I have been to Germany, the southern part of Germany in Bavaria with the Alps. Uh, so I'm not sure if that counts, but I really want to photograph more of Germany. It's uh, from what I can find and I've researched, it's just a flabbergastingly beautiful country. But that's also because I can incorporate so many half-timbered houses and castles uh, in my photography. So it might not be for all landscape photographers, but it's something I would really like to do. So definitely Germany and also Ireland. I really, really want to get to Ireland. That's also a photography dream of mine to spend uh, like two, three weeks in Ireland. Mm -hmm. And are there any specific places you'd like to go to in Ireland? Uh, the, the, The coastline and everything in there, just photograph everything that is very, very Irish, I think. I have a map by now with a lot of locations I want to visit. Obviously, the big places like the Dark Hedges and some of the ruins and castles and along the coastline. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah it's interesting. Yeah, those countries really suit your aesthetic. So I think you would take really great pictures there. Mm, yeah, exactly. Yeah, they, all, With all my interest in uh, besides philosophy and astronomy and so forth, I've also had like interested in uh, in like pop culture. I've grown up with pop culture, like the more nerdy part with uh, Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, World of Warcraft, uh, computer games, and all that stuff. So I really like to go out into landscapes that has inspired those uh, writers and computer game designers and and movies and and photograph those parts. So yeah. Definitely Ireland and Germany uh, on my to-do list. Yeah, and Lord of the Rings. What about New Zealand then? Yeah, I really want to get to New Zealand. It's not the one where I am actually. It's not the one pulling me the most. I would actually rather get back to like Britain in regard to getting that atmosphere uh, rather than uh, than New Zealand. Although obviously New Zealand is beautiful, I I will definitely get down there at some point. But uh, yeah, Britain has just some 
it just has some atmosphere and history and and feeling to it some some mood that uh, I, I was very surprised by when I got over there. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, I like that you have so many sources of inspiration. You mentioned mm. culture and fantasy and movies, TV shows. It's it's amazing to have so many things you can lean on when you need inspiration. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, Mas, my last question for you is, what is the one thing you'd like to achieve in this great big photography world? Hmm. <laughs> if, I, if I haven't already achieved it, it's just to like be able to sustain myself and earn enough so that I can continue taking photos the the way I want to take them. Uh, and I see my, it seems as if I have accomplished that by now. Now I just need to like make it a little bit more practical in regard to not working 80 hours a week. But yeah, so th- th- there's not really a whole lot more. There's a lot of places I want to see and photograph. What else just like continue uh, on, on the road I am on right now? That's a wholesome answer. I like it. It's a good <laughs> I think it's possible to have a goal, to have achieved a goal, but to continue to want to pursue it, if that makes sense. So yeah. I think in your case, that's what it is. So yeah, yeah. I'm sure that you will be able to evolve and, and develop as a photographer even further in a way that really fulfills you. So yeah, yeah that's a, it's always yeah. like, you know, projects ahead of me, like it's all, I guess it's always a dream for a landscape photographer to have their own gallery. It's very mm-hmm. impractical right now, but of course I also want to work towards creating a physical book with my photos. Um, I, I really want to do that too. It's on my to-do list for, yeah, it's probably not going to happen in 2021, but maybe 2022. Mm-hmm. And uh, then let's, uh, let's see what happens after that. So I'm working on my third ebook right now and I have like all the projects that takes up my time. So, I'm just looking forward to be able to actually get out and travel again uh, once I get my vaccination, which probably is not before August. But uh, mm-hmm. let's see how it goes. Yeah, let's see how it goes. Also, just personally for me, by watching a few of your YouTube videos, I realized that your filmmaking skills are really incredible. It would be nice to see a short film made by you or a movie, just putting it out there. <laughs> that, would, that would be nice, yeah. I need to come up with a story then. But yeah, I've, I've actually been doing like, you know, video editing for many more years than I've actually done photography. I started all the way back in like 2001, two, where I made like fan trailers for different movies like Lord of the Rings, <laughs> put them together. I learned all the video editing skills back then, building up a video in, in the way that, yeah, it, 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 that I've been able, those skills I've been able to bring into my uh, photography vlogging. Uh, so that's uh, that's very nice. Yeah, that is very nice. Yeah, it's, it's cool that, that you are still able to use skills that you learned in the past. That's amazing. Cool. Yeah. yeah well, Mass, thank you for being on the podcast. I had so much fun talking to you. And thank you for sharing your story with everyone. Thank you very much for having me. Great Big Photography World wouldn't be what it is without our incredible listeners. We're grateful for the time you take to listen to other photographers' stories and share your feedback with us. If you'd like to help us keep this podcast running smoothly, you can become a member on our website. In return for your help, we'll provide you with all kinds of exciting perks. Go to greatbigphotographyworld.com. There's a link to it in the show notes. It was a pleasure to have Mass on the podcast. I enjoyed finding out about his diverse interests and how they have affected his photography. I appreciate his approach to marketing and hope that his tips encourage you to put yourself out there more when it comes to commercial products. See you next week. 
There's a simple reason why PhotographyCourse.net is the highest rated photography community in the world. It's because the people who use it made it that way. Why not join us right now? Improve your skills, get exposure, and discover an exciting new world of photography. While you're at it, claim your special discount code by going to PhotographyCourse.net and entering the coupon code PODCAST to get 50% off your first year as a premium member.